Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message from Stonebridge United Methodist Church. We hope it encourages you to live and love like Jesus. Hi, my name is Sandy Tutwiler, and I will be reading from Matthew 18, 21 to 35. Then Peter said to Jesus, Lord, how many times should I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Should I forgive as many as seven times? Jesus said, not just seven times, but rather as many as 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle accounts, they brought him to a servant who owed him 10,000 bags of gold. Because the servant didn't have enough to pay it back, the master ordered that he should be sold along with his wife and children and everything they had, and the proceeds should be used as payment. But the servant fell down, kneeled before him and said, please be patient with me and I'll pay you back. The master had compassion on that servant, released him and forgave the loan. When the servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred coins. He grabbed him around the throat and said, pay me back what you owe me. Then his fellow servant fell down and begged him, be patient with me and I'll pay you back. But he refused. Instead, he threw him into prison until he paid back his debt. When the fellow servants saw what happened, they were deeply offended. They came and told their master all that happened. His master called the first servant and said, You wicked servant, I forgave all that debt because you appealed to me. Shouldn't you also have mercy on your fellow servant, just as I had mercy on you? His master was furious and handed him over to the guard, responsible for punishing prisoners until he had paid the whole debt. My heavenly Father will also do the same to you if you don't forgive your brother or sister from your heart. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Sandy, thank you for reading our scripture today. I know that was kind of a long one, uh, so we appreciate you doing that. I wanted to start by mentioning that many of you know that Pastor Jeff has been on a renewal leave uh, for the last 11 weeks. Not that I've been counting, Um, but he will be back with us next Sunday. And so I have been in conversation with him, and he uh, is looking forward to being back, and I know he will be looking forward to seeing all of you uh, next Sunday on the 10th. Would you join me now as we pray together? Oh God, we give you thanks for the gift of this day and the gift of this place where we come together to learn more about who you are and who it is you have called us to be as your followers. God, we pray now that you would be in our midst, that you would quiet our minds, open our hearts to the word you have for us today, and I pray that these words would not be my own, but they would be your words for your church. We pray these things in Christ's name, amen. So today is the final week in a three-week series that we've been doing called Things Jesus Never Said. And I think to really understand the power of Jesus' words, it's sometimes helpful for us to look at what he did not say about certain things. And so we can certainly think about what he could have said or maybe what we might say, but then look at his true words in Scripture. And so today is your lucky day because today is all about forgiveness Always fun to talk about forgiveness. So here are a few things Jesus did not say. 
about that, both toward us and in teaching us what to do ourselves. Jesus did not say, sorry, you've sinned too much for me to forgive you. Or, I can forgive everyone else, but you really get on my nerves. Or, if we think about the Lord's Prayer, where Jesus gives us an example and teaches us how to pray, we don't say, forgive us our trespasses, God, but we'll still hold a grudge against some people. So if none of those things are true, then that really only leaves us with one option, and that option is forgiveness is a habit in our lives. And so this parable from Matthew that Sandy read illustrates the importance of forgiveness, both for ourselves but also for other people. And so this parable is often called the parable of the unforgiving servant. And if you're familiar with Jesus' teachings, he used parables often to teach things. They were generally very brief stories They were meant to be spoken and then heard and then remembered, which is why they were often short. And so in the parables, he's usually reminding the hearer of how things are and then talks about how God longs for things to be in hopes that we would use that as a tool to evaluate our own life. So in chapter 18, if you read the verses of chapter 18 leading up to this passage, you see that Jesus is teaching his disciples about different matters within the community of faith. And so right before this this passage, he's told them what to do if someone sins against you. He's given them instruction about that. And so here comes Peter. God love him, Peter. And, And it's like he has this burning question. He's one of those people that probably wasn't completely listening. He was already formulating a response as Jesus was talking. And so he has this burning question related to the things that that he's just heard. Because Peter would have known that rabbis in that time taught that you were to forgive three times. Three times. And then you can write them off, basically. And so Peter thinks he'll be generous by suggesting seven to Jesus. And so, after all, seven is a special number in the Bible. Seven often symbolizes this idea of completeness. Notice that Peter answers his own question. And he's expecting to be warmly commended. But I can imagine Jesus just kind of shaking his head again at Peter and laughing. And his response is actually, no, Peter, try 77. Or better yet, 70 times 7, 490. And so the point is that it's not about the math with Jesus. What he's saying is whoever keeps track isn't really forgiving at all. And so he segues into this parable, and he starts by saying, therefore, meaning for this reason, the reason you need to forgive is what he's about to say. And so he says, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who's settling accounts with his servants. Well, that would have been a normal, natural occurrence. But this servant in the story owed 10,000 talents. So to give you a little bit of perspective, one talent was greater than 15 years wages for a laborer. And so if we're talking about 10,000, that was an unimaginable number. Completely unpayable, kind of a hopeless situation. And so this servant begs the king for forgiveness or, or for patience to repay him. And so the king has compassion on him and says, okay, I'll release you. And so he does and he forgives his debt. Now the absurd amount here shows how very grateful this servant should be that he's been released, that he's been forgiven. But the story doesn't end there. So he's released, and he goes and actually goes to find another servant who owed him a 100 denarii. 
Now, one denarii was a day's wage for a laborer. So just a tiny fraction of what he himself had owed. Some commentators did the math, and, and many of them say it was about one six hundred thousandth of what he owed. And so what does he do? He finds this person, he grabs him around the throat, and demands that he pay him right then. Well, the second servant did the same thing he did. He begged for patience to repay, but he refused. And he throws him in prison. Well, some of his buddies heard this was going on, other servants, and and they saw this happen, and it was offensive to them. And so they run and find the king and tell him what has just happened. And so the king finds him and calls him out and says, I forgave you, but you couldn't show the same mercy to someone else? And so basically the king reneged on his forgiveness, handed the servant over for punishment. There's one more verse at the end there, verse 35, and and it gets a little bit tricky. It often creates some confusion, and so we're going to come back to that. We're going to come back to that and unpack that in just a few minutes. Um, But so if we think about it, we all have long memories, right? All of us have held a grudge at some point or another. And Peter is my favorite disciple for a lot of reasons, but one of the reasons is because he is so very real. And his question to Jesus addresses a very human problem. Followers of Jesus must renounce the very human intention of getting even. Because Christianity is a faith of forgiveness. And so if we deny the possibility of forgiveness, then we're denying the heart of the gospel. And honestly, one who won't forgive suffers way more than the one who's not forgiven because it creates this this personal inner torment within us. It's a lot of work to not forgive someone. It takes a lot of energy to carry a tally of debt. So I was thinking this week about what is it that motivates someone who's been shown mercy to deny it to someone else? And I think there's a lot of reasons we could come up with. We think that it'll allow this other person to control us or to take advantage of us, that we might be condoning some sort of sin. Sometimes we believe, no, they need to come and ask me for forgiveness before I'm going to give it to them. We think they don't deserve it. We might fear that we're going to be hurt again. We feel that we have the right to be angry. And so that list goes on, and I'm sure you can add some of your own to the list. But really... Unforgiveness is what gives someone control in our mind and in our heart. Because when we choose not to forgive, we become susceptible to to negative behaviors, to negative emotions, and so this root of bitterness begins to grow in the soil of hurt that hasn't been dealt with. And when we carry that around, when we carry that bitterness towards someone, they often never even know that we feel that way. Ephesians 4 says to get rid of bitterness and anger, to forgive as God has forgiven us. And so we have a choice. We can either harbor that resentment and anger, or we can surrender to God and forgive and break free of the bonds that keep us from becoming fully what God intends for us to be. And so you might be thinking, that all sounds really good, but you have no idea what's happened to me. And so you may be carrying weight of a serious wrong that has been done to you, whether it was last week, last year, maybe many years ago. 
And so I want to acknowledge that. I want to acknowledge the pain that you may feel. And I want to acknowledge that there are horrific things that happen in this world. And if I were to ask you today, who here has been hurt? Every single hand in this room would go up, including mine. Because all of us have been wronged. And that is why forgiveness is so essential. Because we are bound to hurt other people and others will hurt us. And so going back to that list I just mentioned, it's hard to forgive, I think, a lot of times because we think it means that we're condoning hurtful behavior and it means that we're letting that person off the hook. And if we look at Jesus, we see that he consistently rebuked wrongdoing in others, but he never held a grudge toward them. And so when we withhold that forgiveness, we're refusing to let go of some perceived power. Not real power, it's perceived power that we think we have. And so we have to remember that forgiveness doesn't make the other person or their action right, but it does make us free. And so if you feel unsettled about this today, I want you to hear what biblical forgiveness does not mean. It does not mean that we sweep things under the rug, that we pretend that they didn't happen, that we forget. It does not mean that you have to go and be in a regular relationship with this person who may have wronged you. There is not always reconciliation. It does not always mean that we hold hands and sing kumbaya. Like, it just doesn't. And it doesn't have to mean that. Because sometimes boundaries are necessary where there's some sort of a toxic circumstance. I love this quote from Pastor Andy Stanley, and he said, In the shadow of my hurt, forgiveness feels like a decision to reward my enemy. But in the shadow of the cross, it's merely a gift from one undeserving soul to another. And so Jesus was not being harsh. He was not being mean. He was not lacking empathy when he tells us we need to forgive. He wants us to heal. He wants us to be free. That's how he wants us to live. And I also want to say this, that I think it's often difficult for us to forgive because we struggle to believe that we ourselves can be forgiven. We all sin. We do. But when we truly repent and when we seek God's mercy, we will find it. God always takes us back. Always. Psalm 103, verse 12 says, As far as east is from the west is how far God has removed our sin from us. And so when you call on the name of Jesus, you are made new. You're made whole. And so I think the key is recognizing our need for mercy, accepting God's gracious gift, and giving thanks for that, because we know that God forgives and remembers our sin no more. God remembers our sin no more. And so if we go back to Peter... I think that what Jesus is getting at is that forgiveness is a practice. It's a habit. It's a discipline, really, that we have to cultivate. It's made possible only by God's grace, and it's something that we do again and again until it literally becomes a part of who we are. It's a habit that we have to cultivate in our hearts, in our souls, in our minds. And forgiveness is very much a decision. It's a choice. It is not a feeling. And that's hard, but it's not a feeling. It's a choice. It's a process. And our emotions may take time to change. We may have to reaffirm them daily for a while, thinking about that 70 times 7, over and over and over. Because our egos fight against letting go, especially when the wounds that we have may be very, very deep. 
But for, forgiveness is not the same as reconciliation. It could lead to that. But, but reconciliation takes two people. Forgiveness only takes one. It only takes one. And so we have to stop viewing as a, as a transaction. That remorse is what earns forgiveness. There's a theologian named Lewis Smeeds. And he has a wonderful quote that says, To forgive is to set a prisoner free and discover that the prisoner was you. And so I'd encourage you to think today, are you at odds with anyone in your life? Has someone hurt you and you're having a hard time reaching that point of forgiveness? Now maybe you're in a season in your life where you are in right relationship with everyone. Great. That's wonderful. But maybe there's somebody in your past a long time ago that you still think about. Or maybe someone you don't even know that represents maybe a political party or a group on the opposite side of an issue that you care deeply about. Or maybe an, what I call an EGR person, an extra grace required person. Think about those people and think about this, that God is merciful to all people, to all people. And so instead of seeing the flaws in someone, what if we instead tried to see the divine mark of God in them? And so I've, I've had people ask me before, okay, well, if I'm ready to do this, if I'm ready to forgive somebody, how do I do that? What does that look like? And I think um, engaging God is the first step in that process. And so I have a few steps um, that you can follow. And I would encourage you, if you want to take a picture of this, feel free to do that. Um, but I think there's just a few steps. The first one is thanking God for the forgiveness you've already been given. That God has already given you that grace. But I also think it's important to acknowledge the feelings of hurt that you have from someone. God can handle that. It's okay to say that. But then the next step is to, to say to God, I want to let it go. And so I'm going to offer them to your care now. And then simply say the words, God, I pray you work in their life. That's it. That takes you off the hook. That takes you out of the situation. That's you leaving them in God's care. And to say, if you have to do it day after day for a while, God, I pray you work in their life. Because really, isn't that what we want? Isn't that what we want for all people? Now, the key there, though, is that means that you have to release the expectation that they make you feel loved and accepted. Because they may not. But that's okay. You know why? Because all of your needs are already met in Jesus. That's all you need. And so the prayer that you pray may or may not change them, but it will change you. It will change you. Because forgiveness is more about you and your relationship with God than it is about anybody else. And so we want grace from God, right? But when we're hurt or when we're offended in our lives, we want justice. But the level of grace that we extend has to be the same level of grace that we've received. And so if you need some motivation for this, if you need some inspiration, I would encourage you, you can Google this. It's called the Forgiveness Project. 
And I would invite you to do that at some point today or sometime this week. It's a website that's full of amazing stories. And this is an organization that's based in the UK. It was started in 2004. They do work in all kinds of different places, in prisons, in schools, in churches. And and this website is just full of amazing stories. You can actually submit your own as well. But the vision for this organization when they began was to build a better future free of conflict by healing the wounds of the past. And I, as I, I actually learned about this organization years ago, but I revisited it this past week, and I was reading some of the stories there, and some of them are, are amazing. Um, and, and what I remembered is that forgiveness can be very difficult, but it's also deeply transformative. Deeply transformative. Always for you as the forgiver. And I believe that, that, that Christ-like love that responds with forgiveness is the only real hope this world has for real change. And that doesn't mean that we have this denial of reality of evil, because evil exists. It doesn't mean that we simply forgive and forget. But it's love and forgiveness that flows from the cross, because that's the place where injustice and forgiveness meet. That's the place where Jesus died to give it to us. And so forgiveness is a ministry, not just to the people that you extend it to, but as an example to a world that easily harbors resentment and revenge, and to show the world that there is a better way. There is a better way to live. And so forgiveness does not deny the possibility or the necessity of justice at all. It redefines it. It redefines justice and ensures that it's God's justice that we're practicing. And so Jesus offers a different kind of justice that opens the possibility of a new future. It offers a way through the hurt and the pain that can lead to resurrection and to new life. Just a few minutes ago, we sang a wonderful song called Yet Not I, But Through Christ in Me. And that reminds us that we're not asked to summon forgiveness apart from the presence of Jesus. We can't. And we're not being asked to. Because it's the sheer power of God's forgiveness. It's so great that when we experience it, it must and it will change us. And so if we say that we're people who have really come into God's kingdom, if we're really people who breathe in this atmosphere of forgiveness, then we naturally have to extend it to other people. Because when we truly experience God's mercy, that is when and that is how we become merciful to others. And so as we welcome Christ's work in our lives, we find the bitterness that we might have replaced by the fruit of the Spirit, by love and joy and peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. All of the irritability that we have and anger and this tendency to be easily offended by things, those things begin to fade away. And we find ourselves free. Because our good God immerses us in grace and truth daily. And we then become conduits of that for other people. And so when we ask Jesus to come into us, to come into our hearts and our minds, and do only what he can do to heal and to restore. His spirit fills us, and, and his power of forgiveness begins to flow through us. 
I told you we'd come back to verse 35. I haven't forgotten. Um, it's the very end of the parable. And, and the verse talks about that, that the king was mad at the servant, and so he punishes him until his debt is paid. And, and Jesus says in the parable, this is what God does if we don't forgive. Well, what is that about? It's kind of confusing. I think the point here is not that God is like the king and forgives us only on the condition that we forgive, that somehow we have to earn God's forgiveness. Rather, I think Jesus is teaching us that learning to be forgiving people is rooted in our identity as forgiven people. Learning to be forgiving people is rooted in our identity as forgiven people. He's saying that we're already forgiven. And so as a result, we are then free to respond to one another in a radical way that allows us to give up the hope of a different past. Hear that? To give up the hope of a different past and take on the hope of a joyful future. God allows us to decide. God gives us that free will. We can either be a slave to counting and calculating the wrongs against us and getting even, or we can decide that the past will not hold us captive and instead live with the spirit of forgiveness. And so it's my hope that we can pray for grace to reflect the generosity and the love of God, for the clarity and the wisdom, the strength and the hope that God gives us and as we extend that same mercy that we've been given to other people. And I think it's so important that in the process we intentionally engage God, that we ask for God's help in overcoming our unwillingness, to overcome our apathy that we feel, And I know, I know that it can be painful. I know that it can. But I also believe that peace will come. I believe that healing will come and we choose what lives inside of us. And so maybe, if you have your phone, maybe you want to get it out right now. And that's perfectly fine. I'm giving you permission to get your phone out while I'm preaching. Um, But maybe you want to get your phone out right now. Maybe there's someone that you need to send a text message to, that you need to make amends with. Maybe it's yourself. Maybe you need to send yourself a text. Maybe you just need to tell somebody that you're thankful for them because of the way that they help you see Jesus. Do that now. Do that now. Because the good news, friends, is that we serve a God who is quick to forgive and mighty to save every day. And so Holy Communion is a way that we are reminded of that. It's a way that we experience that together. And so we know that Jesus meets us here. Jesus meets us here as we seek to be a forgiving community of forgiven sinners because that is who we are, but by God's grace, we are free. Thanks be to God. Thank you for listening to this message from Stonebridge United Methodist Church. You are invited to worship with us every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. For more information, visit our website, mysumc.org. Have a blessed day.